Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes, industry legends, experts, and mountain lovers from all walks of life. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear, presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Hey everybody, welcome to Long Underwear. I, of course, am your host, Amy, and today on the podcast I have someone very special, a dear friend, uh, a mentor in so many ways, um, and a very legendary figure, Tom Day. Welcome to the Long Underwear Podcast. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. We're in my house here in Chucky, nice and socially distanced, and uh, you are one of the people in my life that you've known me my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I knew you, Amy, before you were born. Yep, you did. <laughs> You've seen the whole thing. Your son, Danny, is, uh, we're about the same age, and we got to hang out together when we were kids. I always love telling the story of, we were with a babysitter, and someone put a PB&J in the VCR, and then, like, it was definitely Danny, the way I remember it, but somehow it became, like, both of us or something. I don't know, and there was, a I just remember Amy's, the drama. I mean, uh, da Danny said it was you, Amy. I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. We got some ice yeah, cold beers here, some Sante. Sierra Nevadas. We can't cheers because we're too far apart, six feet. But um, so, Tom, you are like such a figure in the Warren Miller machine. Um, and you've been through so many different phases of being part of the film. Um, and so, I don't even know if you're going to know the answer to this question, but how many films do you think you've been a part of? Oh, geez. Uh, like a lot, but. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I started in 1984. Where are we at now? 2020? So that's like 40, almost, that's 36 years of films? Yeah. So that'd be 36 films? Probably pretty close to it. Wow. Uh, there's a couple years in there I might not have been a part of it, but I, I was working for Standard Films for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we would, um, Mike, Mike would would uh, sell Warren Miller like a bunch mm -hmm. of snowboard footage that they do a montage segment totally. with. So that's how I stayed part of the Warren Miller. Yeah. But those first years you were skiing in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And Warren was still a part of the film at that point. Yeah. Warren was definitely still part of the, the film then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, those were great years. I mean, I was really surprised the first time I was asked to be a skier in a Warren Miller movie by Scott Schmidt. Yeah. So... <laughs> He comes in really quietly and humbly into the ski shop where I was working and go, said to me, uh, you know, Warren's going to be here in a couple weeks filming. And would you like to ski with me? And I'm, you know, I already knew who Scott was. You know, yeah. I saw him on the Warren Miller movies in the years previous and I'm, my eyes lit up. I was pretty surprised. And Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that what a, what a great way to get started. And that was probably I was 20 three years old or something. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's kind of crazy because my dad saw you in the Warren Miller movies, decided to move to Squaw from Northern Idaho, become a professional skier, got to know you, got to ski with you. Then you became his mentor as a filmmaker. And then of course, you know, I followed my dad's steps, skier. I'm not probably ever going to be a filmmaker, but we've worked on a lot of shoots together. And then my now roommate, Jeff Wright, who filmed my segment this year, you're also his mentor. So I think there's just like a million degrees of separation in terms of like 
I've said this before on the podcast, but like I would not be here if it wasn't for you yeah. in like so many ways. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, every segment I've worked with you, Amy, you've been a big part of the production. You know, you might not be a filmmaker, but you <laughs> add a lot to the contribution of the final. Uh, yeah. Part. You, my first Warren Miller segment was with you in Valdez and it was my first time in Alaska. And I was, you know, it was awesome because you, were among the first people to ever heli ski in Valdez. And so you were pointing out, oh, we had first descent here. For, oh, I've skied this. And you, I'd be like, oh, I want to ski this line. And you're like, no, no, Amy, like you want to ski that line, like in the light. And I'm like, okay, you know, because that's what my dad said before I left for it. He's like, ski where Tom tells you to ski. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, what of going back to the times when you were working with Warren, I think it's so, we don't get to talk to people that got to work with him very often because my generation, um, I never even had the chance to meet Warren. But um what was, what's like, what was the best part of working with Warren or is there a specific story that jumps out yeah. to you or? Yeah. So, I mean, Warren started making movies in the winter of 49-50, which is the same year Squaw Valley opened. Mm, and he And he filmed a lot of it right there in Squaw. Uh-huh. He was a ski instructor that first year at Squaw. Oh, wow. And uh, so by 1984, so that would have been what, 34 35 years later, he was already kind of transitioning out of being like the main cameraman mm-hmm. out there. And uh, he had a, a longtime friend, director of photography, Don Berlin. Mm. And my uh, most of my association with Warren Miller is through Don. Okay. Which was great because Don had a very distinguished voice and this was long before cell phones. I never had an answering machine or anything. <laughs> But when Don called, I, I knew immediately it was Don, but he'd go through it. Hi, Tom. This is Don Berlin from Warren Miller. I mean, he didn't, he, <laughs> as soon as he said, hi, Tom, I knew who it of was, course. you know. And Don never called unless I was going somewhere. Well, that's good. He never called to say, well, we're thinking about doing this and thinking about it. It's like when he called, something was it already going to happen. Yeah. That's a good feeling. There's definitely a lot of like the yo-yoing nowadays. Like, are we going? Yeah. Where are we going? Maybe. Are we going? Yeah, yeah. No, it was fully on by that point, and I can remember uh, one time in particular, he called and asked me if I wanted to go to Morocco, and I'm like thinking, Morocco. This is I'm not talking out loud. I'm going. I think that's Africa. Like, yeah, I'd love to go. You know. <laughs> Morocco. Where is that? And then yeah, you know. So I mean, I was fully committed to it hung up the phone, opened up an encyclopedia and confirmed where it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It didn't matter back then. It was just an adventure, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what really kept me in this game and, and really made me want to transition from a skier to a cameraman was to keep that adventure of travel going. Well, you've been everywhere basically, right? Like all continents, all, I mean, I got to get everything. to Australia. You haven't been to Australia yet. You, That's, can, you can make that happen. Yeah, I, I want it. I need to make it happen. But you've been to Antarctica. You've had crazy adventures in Russia. You've been to like the far out places. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah. And there's some far out places on this planet, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I just, that's, that's the funniest thing. Uh and even just a few years ago, going to Svalbard, I've never even heard of Svalbard before, you know, and group of islands north of Norway that uh, probably are northern or planet's northernmost mountains. And yeah, yeah it's, it's so, and I know I'll probably still go to some places that I never knew existed. And that's what's kind of cool about it. I know. I feel like sometimes we get stuck in this, like, oh, well, 
somebody has skied everywhere there is to ski, and there's no way that's true. No. Not even close. So. A lot of snow out there. Yeah. Um, we're not supposed to talk about skiing for too long, but I still want to <laughs> a little a little bit more. I just want to know kind of like, you know, through the decades of being part of Warren Miller, like what's changed and what's stayed the same. I mean, obviously, like the equipment, we, yeah, you know, production value and you're not changing film and tents anymore, but <laughs> yeah. like what's changed and what's stayed the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely what has stayed the same is uh, everybody wants to get a good shot, you know, whether it's the cameraman or the skier, mm -hmm. you know, both sides of the camera really want to create something special. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever going to change. And that's kind of the magic in what we do is that collaboration between those two elements to, to bring one thing together for the audience. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, what always changes is the snow conditions. <laughs> Not knowing what you're gonna get dealt with, and uh, and uh, it's amazing how you can sometimes come back with a, a, a nice ski story without the epic powder, yeah. you know. And then on the other hand, it's amazing how epic powder just makes things everything so Better. much easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate what you said though, because I think sometimes, you know, when when even like just on my side, the professional skier side of it. Yeah, of course, I love skiing, and that's, like, why I'm doing what I'm doing. But it's about more than that. It is about the collaboration with the filmmaker or the photographer to make something to then share with people, to then extend a feeling. And that is a lot of work, but to me, that collaboration and that, like, knowing that you're working really hard on a common goal. Because, like, if you want to ski a lot, don't be a pro skier. You know what I mean? Like, we, there's the best days we're working. You know, I do ski more than the average person, but I go out and I ski on the average days for myself and for fun. And then on the good days, I'm working and I'm not skiing as much as even the people in those long KT lines, you know? Yeah, definitely. But it's, I'm so excited about collaborating with people like you and whoever I'm working with to, like, create something to share. And, like, that's to me, what's really special about what I get to do more than just the fact that I get to ski a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's great to see it after, Yeah. you know, it really is. Uh, but it, the, the, the moment of creating it is just so much more special. Well, it's just really, I think it's, I think you value things that you work really hard for and you, you in particular work harder than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. But we all, all of us in this game work, work hard to make yeah. the moments of magic. But before we stop talking about skiing, though, I have to say you are the best skier I've ever skied Oh, with. come on now. Free skiing with you on KT on 75. It's like you're so smooth that you can't even tell you're going really that fast, except for you're just pulling away from me the whole time. And, I, and you never stop. Like skiing with you is no stops, you know, <laughs> huge moguls <laughs> on 75. I don't know if you remember... Uh, I think it was like three seasons ago and squatted that awesome thing where they stayed up until like 7 oh, p.m. Oh, that was, that was a good day. And it was you were up there and Lizzie was up there and Todd and my dad went and we're skiing 75 slush bumps like off into the sunset in like May. And I just like, that's still one of my like top 10 days. Yeah, that it was, was so that was fun. special when squad did that. Yeah. That was really nice. It, was fun it really brought a lot of people out. Oh, it was so Like cool. at three o'clock, there was no lifts lines. Yeah. But I think that all we, of a sudden at five o'clock there's a long lift line I think because we it was a special our last run moment. At like seven p.m. or something. If they don't stay open at seven. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, hopefully we can get that again. Almost. Yeah. Almost time. But um, okay, we have to stop talking about skiing. This Good is a luck. podcast where we don't talk about skiing. Good luck. It's called the S word. If you say the S word, you have to hand deliver me wildflower cookie. Oh. Each time. Yeah, each time. Oh. I like a lot of cookies. I know you mm -hmm. know Susan, so. 
can work something out. So you got confidence that you're pretty disciplined, so <laughs> you're not worried about whether you're going to have to give me any cookies? I have wildflower flower cookies in the freezer over there. Oh, do you? go really awry. <laughs> 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 I stocked up before in quarantine. It was the opportunity to get some cookies. I was like, oh, yeah, fill the freezer. At <laughs> least to get you through April, huh? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, what a... I mean, I don't know where your boundaries are with skiing, but certainly this whole uh, COVID thing has uh, been uh, um, an eye-opener to the industry, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's just, um, you know, someone asked me today, they're like, yeah, like, have you been affected by the pandemic? And I was like, I mean, has anybody not, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I just was like, I mean, yeah, my whole world is flipped upside down. And then, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I haven't skied in forever, it feels like. Yeah. So... I'm excited to get back to it. And the thing is, the mountains aren't going anywhere, no matter what happens. You know, patience is something we learn in this lifestyle, and we're just really testing it right now. <laughs> That's for sure. We're uh, being tested in many ways with patience right now. I know, I know. Okay, well, on that note, here's the test. No more S word. Here we go. You hear that? That's the sound of a cold Sierra Nevada beer that was delivered right to your door. <sighs> Learn more at SierraNevada.com. Please drink responsibly. This podcast is made possible by Warren Miller's 71st film, Future Retro, streaming virtually this November. You can't look toward the future without taking a look back at the past. Future Retro will be that connection, past, present, and future. Travel to Antarctica, Montana, Iceland, Switzerland, Alaska, Vermont, and beyond. Join this collective experience, complete with a virtual red carpet, athlete appearances, behind-the-scenes interviews, and vintage throwbacks. Tune into Warren Miller's Future Retro from anywhere. Go to warrenmiller.com to learn more. So, I, as much as these things are intertwined for you, I want to talk about you as a filmmaker and as an artist, because I have worked with you on non-S-word projects, and I know that you do a lot of other things, but... In terms of your philosophy of filmmaking and knowing that two people in my life were heavily influenced by you as a filmmaker, what, what would you say is kind of like your general philosophy when, you, when you're looking at trying to create something? Well, I think, I think first of all, you got to be spontaneous like, and be ready mm -hmm. to change. You know, So you might go out there with uh, an idea of what you want to do, but all of a sudden something comes up, go for it. Yeah. That would be my my first thing that I I tried to never shield myself from. Yeah, not get too tunnel vision. Not get too tunnel vision. Although you know you do need to stay focused, so it's it's a fine line there. Uh, and as far as creating something, I mean, I think uh, you know it depends on who you're working for. You know, what, what's their message? What what is it their what is it they would like to have me express visually? You know, to tell their story. So I try to really stay on on that topic a lot it's like oh there's a little dew on a piece of grass you know we're shooting some oh, a water theme right mm -hmm. now and there's an essential simple little water shot or mm -hmm. something like that you know any anything that can help tell that story i feel like you also too are kind of like you have a lot of rules and then you always break your own rules <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think they say that about everything in life, uh, and certainly uh, goes true with photography. Is you got to know the rules, you know. Right. You got to know what what is a good shot, you know. Whether it's uh, how it's framed, how it's focused, uh, you know, just your basic lighting. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then when you know what you can get away with, yeah, then then go for it, yeah. you know? But <laughs> it's not a bad idea to at least uh, have a foundation of rules. Yeah. I know. I've always, you've always, well, we always shoot, you know, this direction of the sun and then we'll be shooting like front lit. I'm like, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can stop me every time I do that. <laughs> Jeff does. <laughs> I know. I, Jeff loves it when you break your rules. <laughs> Both Jeffs probably. Yeah. Um, my next kind of question still in this category is, like I mentioned a little earlier, like you were literally the hardest working person I have ever worked with. And like, where do you find that drive and that work ethic? Like, and, and also that longevity in your work ethic, like you've been doing this for decades and you were the last person to yell quits. Like, or sometimes you won't, like we've been on shoots where I'm like, Tom, I just, I give up. I can't do it anymore. I got to take my boots off, like help. <laughs> like, where do you, where does that drive and that work ethic come from? Uh, I don't know where it comes from. I think, you know, one of my biggest challenges is I don't think my shots come easy, you know? So I, I think I have to work extra hard to, to make the shot. Mm -hmm. I'm never a hundred percent satisfied, you know? I think there's always something else that can be done. Yeah. Uh, and I know at the end of the day, when it all comes together, you know, that all those extra moments you put into it will probably pay off, you know, and, and I need all those extra moments to make those segments, I, in, in my mind, work, you know? Yeah. So I, it, it's all about utilizing uh, the, the time. We don't have a lot of time. I mean, it sounds like a lot, like. I mean, I don't know. I've done. You half, never have enough time. On I've shoots. done half day shoots. I've done uh, a, a shoot that's lasted over a year. You know, and in every one of those projects, you know, you you run out of time, and and there's more to do. There's yeah. always more to do. I think it's that eternal hunger, but I think that's the spirit of the S worder in you too. I think that anybody that has a sense of adventure has that kind of insatiable element to their personality, which is like there's there's more out there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's what makes you really good. Like you said, you know, but man, sometimes I'm like, how does this, how's it still going? Tom, please mercy. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I usually come home from a two week shoot and I'm a basket case. I bet. Yeah. I bet. And you know, it's, it's amazing how, uh, after, uh, after a long shoot, you know, when, when you're when you're in the process, your mind you, it doesn't let you stop. You know, mm -hmm. you just go go. And I'm sure you know this feeling too. And all of a sudden, when it's over, it's like you relax, then your body relaxes, and sometimes it relaxes too much. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you, yeah, you kind of get, you can get easily you know sick at that moment and stuff. You well, know, you're, you're just anytime you're just a hundred percent when you're on a shoot, whether it's a hundred percent for that half day or those two weeks or whatever, like you're, you're all in and there's, if there's light of any kind, there's something to be done. <laughs> yeah. I just wish there was more time to sleep sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, my next question is, and I feel like I might know where you might go with this, but what do you think over a lifetime of making films, what do you think filmmaking has taught you as like a person that you take with you into other parts of your life? Mm. Well, it's, it's taught me a lot. It, it's I think one of the the slowest things that I learned in the process of being a director was directing. Mm. That confidence of saying, if you take three steps that way, it's going to be a much better shot. Yeah. Where maybe in my beginning days, I'd be afraid to say that. Mm. And that's a, that's a simple one, you know. 
but a- any time that you can, you know, really direct the situation for your, the benefit of the shot, you know, take advantage of that and do it. And I think that was th- like the hardest hurdle for me to to really accept because. But I wonder in like in then in then other parts of your life, like speak, speaking up. Oh, like other you know, parts like, of yeah, you like know, if, like that translates that way, you know, like not being afraid to like speak up if you if you have something to say, because I think a lot of people don't. Yeah. 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 You know, whether it's uh, just helping somebody, you see them yeah. struggling with something, don't be afraid to, Hey, you know, Hey, maybe try it this way yeah. or, you know, or yeah, that de- definitely. And, um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to, to build our own house, uh, a couple times. <laughs> and that's a, that's being a director too, yeah. you know, cause I'm i I'm not a contractor, but I am a homeowner builder. Yeah. And I see a lot of similarities, you know, cause you're working with a lot of different people, whether it's a plumber, the electrician, you know, whoever it is, and cards. you got to speak up if you want it your way. Yeah. Cause sometimes you get a lot of people in there that they think, you know, that they know what you want and you just say, well, actually, I think that light would be better over here or whatever the case may be. So you, you always got to kind of speak up for what you, what you think, you know, and it's, and again, that was hard for me. That was a hard hurdle for me. Yeah, I'm sure. But I learned less. I mean, you learned it by the time we started working together. Cause now I know like, no, I really want to jump off this cliff in the shade. And <laughs> you're like, no, 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 Amy, ski on the nose in the light. Oh, one ski. Cookie. One cookie. There we go. Nice. I like chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of read my mind a little bit. Something I wanted to ask you about is, is your kind of one of your other hobbies in life. One thing you're doing a lot when you're not out shooting is constantly working on remodels. It feels like you're, you're remodeling the homes you live in and stuff. And so in a, in a broad way, like, I don't know what in general, like what the biggest challenges of that are, or if there's ever like been a specific project that's been like horrible for you, where you've just been like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I want to know, like, what's the biggest reward of all of it? Yeah. Uh, as far as, um, I mean, I, when, when I finished, uh, school, I, I'm going to even up on the cookie count. I just wanted to ski. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's all I wanted. And mm-hmm. the only way I could support that was to work in the summers so I could have the winters off. And uh, I kind of started, I mean, I like carpentry work. My dad, you know, tinkered with wood and he had a little shop in the house. So we were always like building bird feeders or whatnot. So oh, I nice. kind of was fascinated by, by building with wood. And yeah. Uh, so when I started my ski bumming days here, I'd, I'd work all summer and, mm-hmm. We'd be working six, seven days a week, so we could take six, seven days off. a week off during the winter, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, so I kind of learned the craft, and 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 uh, during that, I mean, I I knew I I also knew my limitations, you know, where I was good and where I wasn't good, and I I watched what other people are doing, like the subs were always coming in, you know, mm-hmm. again whether it's electrician, plumber, whoever. And you'd, you'd watch them do their stuff too. So when it came time to build our first house, um, I, was, I think I was 30 years old. Wow. Yeah. And we started from the foundation and went up. And your, wow. your dad actually came and dropped the trees that were in the way for, our, for our foundation. <laughs> and yeah, I'll never forget he came and... Uh, it was a big tree and it was kind of dead and your dad doesn't like those because no, they're, they're a little sketchy. unpredictable yeah. and uh, it, it was probably a couple hundred foot tree and he put a beer can down at the bottom of the driveway <laughs> 
walked 200 feet back up to the base of the tree and dropped it and nailed it right on the beer can. You know, that, that surprised me. Show off. Is yeah. What that is. Well, no, no, it was good. I liked it, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and all, and all those aspects that it takes to build and, and the communication and, and, and talking with people. And so, and that, so I, I learned a lot, you know, working with other people. So, but when I finally had a chance to work on my own, again, you know, that whole work ethic and motivation is like tenfold, you know? Yeah, because it's yours. It's, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the days weren't long enough for sure, you know? And, and uh, yeah, yeah, and building is really, really hard because of uh, a lot of decision-making. It's just constant decision-making. Where, it wears right. you out. I mean, every, yeah. every phase you need to think because that phase is going to determine the next one. Yeah. And and uh, they're expensive mistakes. Ugh. And so you really want to make good decisions. And, and, you know, I can look back at everything I did and go, well, I could have done it like that. And I could have, you know, just like photography, it's the same sure. thing. You could always do different things. But certainly uh, I'm proud of that for sure. I'm sure. We talk, we end up talking a lot about DIYing on the podcast just because I think it's what a lot of people, especially do right now, but in general. And it's just funny. I think I'm fascinated by it because – Man, that bone didn't make it into this body. I just don't have the pa- – it's a patience problem. Oh, I like things to be done. I don't like things to be in progress. Like I really need things to be done. And when you're doing – when you're working on a house project, I mean, it's never it's never done. It almost feels like. I mean, and then when it is finally done, it's so great. But I can't imagine building many houses, you know, you're, you would have to get over that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and you don't get over it. You, you really don't. It's hard, and you're you're absolutely right. It's a. Uh, I'm hoping I can say this that it's the last one I that we just finished <laughs> because it it is it's a it's a time sink, you know, because I can't do it halfway. I can't like. I don't know. It's yeah. like you, you, you got to go to the finish line with well, these Well, I know. Things. I could hardly get you on this podcast because yeah. you were so busy. <laughs> but and speaking of the house you just uh, finished up or are finishing up, you don't have to give any location details because I don't want anybody to get in trouble. But you did something really cool with your fireplace. I'm working on it. That's still the work in <laughs> progress Is that still the work right in progress? There. Yes. You've been I gathering? Can't, I can't tell you how I'm getting <laughs> the rocks from where I'm quarrying them down to the house because then that'd be owing you another cookie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the S word is involved with the uh, movement of said rocks around to make this perfect. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're out there because you've been working on it for, you've been gathering these rocks for like- Three years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just thinking today, I should have gone up there today. I haven't gone up and made my stash. Oh, you better and, get up there. And before. we got snow coming. So I'm thinking of maybe bolting up there early in the morning and working for a few hours because I make piles, you know, mm-hmm. that I can get to later on in the winter because, like, once the snow's there, yeah, you know, you, that's you not. But if you have a stash, stash. Yeah. you can just be, dig out your stash and get to them. Yeah, I love it. It's, yeah. like, brilliant. Um the last thing I kind of want to know, and I think this is a, a funnier thought exercise for guests that are older, but if your life, say, had gone like a totally different direction or was there like some other dream, like the one I was talking about is I have like this fantasy of being like on a ranch somewhere or something. Like what would be your like other life fantasy that like comes to mind? Because you, because you've lived the epitome of the dream that you're in, Right. Yeah, you know, I never had a plan B. Never. 
I never this did. This is it. That, that, yeah. I mean, the, the, the film thing I'm doing right now, that, that, that would be plan B. <laughs> well, that worked out pretty yeah. well. Yeah. No, uh, my mom and dad, I don't mind talking about skiing, Amy. Uh, my <laughs> well, mom. we all like cooking. So. My, my mom and dad uh, really turned us on to skiing at a young age. And uh, one day, uh, we, we skied uh, at Bolton Valley. And, mm. the, and the upper lift was where all the good skiing was. Yeah. Yeah, but the bathrooms were down at the bottom. So, <laughs> God, to go to the bathroom, man, you had to ski all the way down to the bottom and miss a, miss a run on the top, yeah. you know? Uh, but one day, I was lifts? riding back up the, the bottom lift, and I was with this older guy. He was probably like 18 or so. He was a, a dishwasher. <laughs> Because I was like probably seven or eight at the time, you know, maybe even younger. And I asked him what he did. And he goes, I'm a, I'm a dishwasher. I, I, I work right here at the restaurant at the bottom of the mountain. I ski every day. And you were just like. I just went ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and I've never wanted to do anything ever since that moment right there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> there was apparently, there was a, um, a quite like long phase of my life as a child where when you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say a chairlift operator and I meant it. So yeah. I guess rings true. Yeah, I, yeah. Sadly, I never did bump chairs though. I worked, I worked at the cookie shop. I was a mighty mite coach. I did other stuff on the hill, but I never bumped chairs. Yeah. I guess maybe I should make that happen. <laughs> I did it. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Well, now it's a little easier. <laughs> It's um, not like the but old that school. that is a good question you asked. Like, what else would you would you do? Let's say if uh, you could erase the thought of skiing out of your mind completely, you know, and like, what else? Yeah. Who knows? Certainly, you'd want to have something to do with traveling, huh? Yeah. Guys, the the people you get to meet and the places you get to see are all so special. Yeah. And. And uh, emotionally different all the time, too, you know? There's a lot of changes that go through travel. Well, that's what's been so interesting about this last, what now, going on six, seven months is people like you and I are used to all the changes and all the travel and not now, not right now. It's been really interesting. I don't know if you found that, but just the... I'm pretty content staying at home. Yeah, I find that I'm less antsy than I thought I'd be. Like, yeah, sure, I really want to go somewhere, but then I've been really able to, like, lean into all the stuff that I didn't do before, you know? Like, I am cook all kinds of great stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, like, you see how you can easily get in a routine, you know? Like, yeah. I definitely have a solid routine going now, which I'm, like, almost becoming attached to, which is Yeah, is I like routine. It's definitely good. And I actually, I crave it when I'm away. I do, too. Yeah, I just want to get home and... Make my coffee in the morning and Dude, though, if somebody see knocks on my goes. door right now and said, go to Morocco now, I would, like, run. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would, too. <laughs> I would too. pack a bag. I would just... Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Well, the next thing... We do this on every episode of the podcast, and I want to know two highs and one low of the last year of your life not having to do with the S-word. So not, like, a trip or something like that. Just just your life. Two highs, one low. Yeah. Um um, you know, as far as a low goes, it would be my dad passing. Hmm. Um, that was, I mean, he lived a great life. You know, he made it to 90 wow. and uh, he died quickly in his own home. And, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better. He had a wonderful life. And at the same time, I think that's a high also because of the flood of memories you yeah. get from it. So I think that's 
kind of a double-edged sword there, you know, that sure. that you can uh, celebrate it as well, well. something you know is coming and when it, when it does work out that way, when someone gets to live a beautiful life and exit it without excessive pain, I mean, that's the biggest blessing there is, yeah. but that doesn't make it any less sad when you have to miss them. No, no, no. And, um, and, uh, you know, of course it's been hard on my mom, especially now with, uh, you know, social distancing and, and not being able to really be with people. That's yeah. probably, I know it's hard on that's her. That's an isolating feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, one more high. Uh, one more high. Yeah. Hmm. I think just, uh, a, a lot of extra family time this year. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie's spending a lot of time up in Eureka with her folks. So when she's home, we get to just kind of uh, cherish that those little moments when she's at home. So it kind of makes our relationship pretty strong right now, too. Yeah, it's a little bit the opposite. She's gone a lot in your yeah. home, which is yeah. different, although Lizzie's gotten to come on some trips. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I know. I like feel sometimes I feel like our families are as related. I don't have a ton of extended family or anything like that, but your guys' family has always been kind of like, they're my whole life. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, yeah. it's been fun. Did, um, sometimes I ask people to think of a story, a funny story or something to share. And I didn't know if anything had come to your mind <laughs> and hopefully it's not about the S word, but if it dances that line, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. F something funny. You know, I was thinking about that nothing really that's why I said, you know, you better prompt me on those. Well, uh, you've got all kinds of funny stories. You told a funny story about my dad in a beer can, and I'm sure you've got loads of travel stories. Yeah. Yeah. What a... It's hard when I put you on what the a, spot. I mean, just, I'm just so fortunate of uh, the, the lifestyle I was able to to um, dive into and where it's brought me. And What about the story when... After S-wording all day, we found ourselves in like a restaurant in the middle of the Italian Alps. And before we knew it, we were all drunk and on fire and we didn't even know how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was great. We, um, well, we were obviously struggling, struggling over there with snow conditions. Yeah. We and, were on a trip with tough snow. And, uh, we had a chance to do some heli skiing in Italy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we are all like really kind of tense knowing that that was, if we're going to get skiing in, in that segment, that that was, that was the moment. So I think we were all, and we woke up really early, remember? Yeah, because we had to drive like two or three hours Two or, or three hours from France over into Italy. And so we were like driving in the dark and the moon came up uh, as the dawn rose and, uh. Yeah, and then we did. We, we we just went after it, and we were, I think, really so super focused mm -hmm. to the whole group, you know, between the guides, the skiers, the cameramen. I mean, every you know, we were we knew that that was our our, our only one chance. our one chance. And at the end, we're thinking, okay, gosh, now we got to drive all the way back home. Yeah. And uh, the guide said, "Why don't you guys just stop over at the restaurant here, real quick?" It was somebody's like mom's restaurant or something. Yeah. And needed a bite to eat before the long drive. And home. there was no one in it. No one. And it's still light out outside. And we go in and all this great food comes up. And then we start drinking, I don't know, some type of schnapps or something. Something. Or some sort of. Something a, really strong. Yeah. And because uh, the next thing we knew, they started playing this game with us <laughs> where they had a shot glass and they, they lit it with a lighter. 
and then the shot glass got passed around and you, you dipped your finger in it right. and your finger started on fire, right? Well, the idea was we had to pass the flame from finger to finger. So you'd keep your finger in your shot glass. Okay. And then when the flame got to you, we would light each other's fingers on fire. And then obviously when you messed something up, somebody had a drink or something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was so much fun. It got, it went from it was spaghetti to chaos like that. Oh, That's all yeah. I, all I remember is like, we, I didn't, we, we weren't even planning on hanging out. And then all of a sudden it was like the music was on and the cooks came out and somebody was like on the table and, you know, alcohol gets spilled, you know, when you're doing anxious things. And then the fire, like at one point the table was on fire in front of me. And then remember our clothes were just like drenched in I don't know, some sort of like sugary, like high octane Italian Alp schnapp business. <laughs> oh gosh. And the funniest thing was uh, from the youngest person at the table to the oldest person at the table, I think we were all acting like we were eight years old. Everyone was oh, yeah. just giggling. and It was so fun. Yeah. It really uh, re, uh, uh, kind of eased a lot of tension, it seemed like. You know? uh, it was nice because it was such a good memory from that trip and the cameras weren't rolling. Yeah, we were just yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to enjoy life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. That was that was definitely like a moment that comes to my mind pretty often. Awesome. I can't say I ever want to drink that again, whatever that was. I was... I'd play the game again. I'd play the game. I definitely like lost all the hair on yeah, my finger. I don't know I think if we were we're all singed. I'm not sure if we're describing it well enough for our audience, but yeah, <laughs> but this, we didn't this flame, know. This, this table is probably like 10 feet long and there was people on both sides. There was probably eight, nine people around the table and this flame would just pass around the whole table yeah. and the secret was to keep the flame going and if you let the flame go out, well, then you drank. Yeah. And so at first it was okay to drink, but after a while, man, you really wanted to keep that flame going. Yeah. But it was also, if you were slow, I remember you'd like start feeling your finger, like, like you had to be kind of. But if you went too fast, then you put the flame out. Yep. It was a high stakes game. I don't know if it's replicable. <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend it for the kids at home listening to this podcast. Yeah. To, don't let your fingers on fire. <laughs> Um, well, Tom, thank you so much for coming over and being on the podcast and uh, sharing all the trips. And I'm sure we've got more coming. Um, and hopefully we're skiing together very soon yeah. and eating wildflower cookies and <laughs> all that good stuff. I know that uh, you're not a big man on the Instagram, but you do have an Instagram if people want to check out what you're up to. What is it? I know. It's funny. I have not posted like since I think it was uh, April. But you comment. You comment on uh, yeah, stuff. I know. I look at it all yeah, the time, yeah. but for some reason I haven't posted anything. Well, get back on there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's uh, uh, Tom Day. I think it's at But Tom it's Day. with uh, two M's, T-O-M-M-D-A-Y. There we go. I had someone make the account for me, <laughs> and I never looked at it that close, and then I don't know how to change it. So. Sure. Tom Day might be taken, so you're going to have to go with Tom Day. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was, yeah. After a few of those... Uh, Flame drinks is Tom. But we didn't even get to talk about that this year in Future Retro, you are in front of the camera. You had a trip in Big Sky with the Egan Brothers and Schmidt. My dad was there behind the lens to get you in front of the lens. And uh, so people will get to see your face on the big screen this year. Yeah. What a, well, on the computer screen or the TV yeah, screen. Yeah, I know. But. I'm I'm really excited to see the movie tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, Does it feel different it. like going, you know, you're... You're going to watch all your shots in your segments because you you were part of the Vermont segment and the Alaska segment, but uh, you're also 
You're in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a treat. The, and especially uh, to ski with Scott and John and Dan again, you know, yeah. that was that was really special. And um, it was great watching your dad work, too. <laughs> yeah. It, it really was. Uh, He's like, Tom's making me work too hard. <laughs> he was just, uh, I think he was just, uh, he was just, uh, I think, honored to be able to to uh, be a part of that that energy that was going on right there. He still has like that hero element of it too, you know, like you and Schmidt and Egan, those are his heroes too. Like that's why he has the life he has is those guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why it was really great that uh, Jeff was able to to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish in the, before the COVID world happened, I was going to come up and catch the tail end and then my dad and I were going to stick around. Oh, that's right. It would have been fun. Yeah. I got to ski with my dad and Schmidt once at uh, the Yellowstone Club. Oh, nice. And it was funny because it was like something switched. I'm sure it'd be the same if you were there where they were like, oh, you ski like me. Oh, you ski like me. And then they're like, hop, turn in, airplane turn in. Like I was with my friend Hadley and she's like, whoa, I think I just witnessed the 90s. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, they didn't use it in the movie, but one of our favorite uh, quotes we were saying on that trip was, God, man, we're skiing like we're 40 again. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish nope, that does make the movie. But, um. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was hoping it was going to. But yeah, that was, that was uh, special to be uh, a part of that. And yeah, and that was the end. I remember John, Scott, and I were riding up the chair at the Yellowstone Club. And it was their last day. We, we'd all, all got the word. You know, we, we'd heard about the rest of the world kind of shutting down, you yeah. know. Veil closed, squaw closed. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, and then uh, Big Sky's like, well, yeah, no, we're not closed. And the next day, oh, yeah, we're closing too. You yeah. know, it's like, I mean, everyone in a, yeah. like in a matter of a 48-hour period seemed like just shut down. Yep. Yep. And we were riding up the, the, the chair together and... Uh, we were both just, we were all just talking about, it's like, wow, can you believe it? The season's over right now. We're like, what? You know, yeah. we're just all kind of baffled. And It's funny to get ripped out of it, like mid, mid go with no, no yeah. closure. None of our, our sunset slush bumps. Right. <laughs> right. I know. And I missed the spring skiing more than anything. Man, I love skiing squat in May every day. Like, you know, you go out you know, the right window and you ski with the softening of the snow. And like, I, I just love that. It's I like my too. favorite time of year. It's when I ski for me, kind of. I think I agree with you 100%. It's a beautiful time of year to ski. Uh, most of the people have uh, given up on the sport and you got the mountain yep. to the to the hardcores. And uh, it is, I mean, spring skiing is, is so fantastic. And I think that's it, when you and I ski together the yeah, most. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We both come back from our different directions and yep. are back at home and, and uh, yeah, it's one of the, the 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 stronger elements of squaw is the late skiing for sure. I agree. All right, well, Tom, thank you for being on the podcast. Cheers! Sante. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yes, everybody at home, thank you for listening. I hope you are enjoying Future Retro, and I hope you're getting psyched for winter and ski season and all that good stuff. You, of course, can follow me at Amy Ski. Send me your questions, your comments. Don't forget to give us a call and leave your ski memories. And uh, yeah, we will catch you next time on Long Underwear. Skiing and riding is wrapped up in memories. Memories that inspire me to push myself, like skiing the Palisades with my dad for the first time at age six. And memories that have taught me how to overcome fear and learn from past mistakes, like getting buried in an avalanche in Utah. Do you have a mountain memory that sticks with you? Well, we want to hear it. The good, the bad, the hilarious, the regretful, and the impactful. 
leave us a voice message at 970-510-0451 and share your memories with us. We will be airing a memories episode at the end of the season with all your incredible voices. Please keep in mind that voice memos with poor sound quality, language, or over one minute in length will not be considered. Feel free to share your name and where you're from or leave it anonymous. Go ahead, drop us a line. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. Where do you get your weather? Your phone's weather app might be fine for your home, but it doesn't specialize in directing you to the best powder. Instead, try the snow-specific forecasts, snow reports, mountain cams, and local commentary delivered by Open Snow. Go to opensnow.com or download the Open Snow app for iPhone or Android. Open Snow is built by skiing weather forecasters like me, just for those of us who want to find the best snow. This podcast is a Warren Miller Entertainment production and is presented by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Inkerbrestin, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team.